0: How do we equip our families with a biblical worldview? How do we prepare the next generation for life? How do I grow in my walk with the Lord and in my marriage? If you wrestle with these questions, you are in the right place to find answers. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. I am your host, Eric Rutherford, and I'm excited today because I have with me Larry Fowler. He is the founder and CEO of the Legacy Coalition. He's also the author of several books, including Raising a Modern Day Joseph, as well as Overcoming Grandparenting Barriers, How to Navigate Painful Problems with Grace and Truth. Uh, Larry is is married, Uh, he and his wife have two grown children. Seven grandchildren, most of all. Uh, Larry is a Christ follower. Two quick items before we get to our interview. First, if you go to our website at entrustingthefaith.com, scroll down to the bottom, sign up for our weekly emails so you know who is coming up on the podcast for the week and who you may have missed the previous week. Uh, You'll also get a free resource when you do, and you can find all our other podcasts on our website while you're there. Feel free to scroll through them, find other interviews uh, to really help you along the way. Uh, second, this episode is just brought to you by my book, Leading Well at Home: How Husbands and Fathers Can Biblically Lead Their Families. So if you've ever thought, man, I want to be a godly husband or father, I don't know where to start, or you've heard that you need to do something to equip your family, but you just don't know where to begin. Well, if this is you or you know, anybody you know leading well at home, will show you how you can love Jesus Christ. Love and serve your wife and children, and take responsibility for discipling your family. You'll be encouraged and given action steps that you can apply so that you're moving forward. Okay, now let's jump into today's episode.
1: Larry, so thankful that you joined us today. Thanks, Eric. It's an opportunity that's great for me. I'm glad to be able to share with you you and your audience. Oh, well, thank you for joining us. I know it will be...
0: It. I'm going to learn a lot, and I know my audience will, too, so
1: um let's just start with what is the Legacy Coalition. Well it's a ministry that's focused upon equipping and resourcing Christian grandparents and we found out that we found that most Christian grandparents miss opportunities to pass on their faith to their grandkids and we want them to understand what their potential is uh we want them to understand what scripture says and then, as they do that, we want to equip them to be more effective in influencing their grandchildren for Jesus Christ. I appreciate that because that's something that
0: i So, I'm, for everybody listening, you, I'm I'm a dad, but I'm not a grandfather yet, and so that's yeah. not quite on my radar. So it's it's good to be able to start thinking through some of those questions ahead of time. And so, when you when you founded the Legacy Coalition, w- was there? what problem or what need did you see? Was it just a lack of resources? was it grandparents just
1: didn't know what did you what were you trying to solve? yeah it was it was all, both of those plus the the lack of focus on the part of the local church in regard to grandparenting I mean when you think about this area there are probably tens of thousands of churches in America in fact the majority of them would would think about we've got to equip parents to raise their kids. I mean, any church leader worth their salt is going to put a value on, on that, and they should. But what was fascinating to us as, we, as God was calling us to lead this ministry, we started talking to churches about, have you ever done anything on grandparenting? And all of them had done something on parenting, the ones we were talking to, but not one single one had ever done anything on grandparenting. It was it was uh, this topic that was almost completely overlooked by local churches and by the big church in general, you know. And, and in terms of resources, there was just almost nothing out there to equip Christian grandparents for the role. So we wanted to solve that. Wanted to step into that arena and to do what we could to help. Wow, that is that's startling to hear that. Well, so so let me give you an illustration. This last June. I had the opportunity to speak to a group in Dallas, Texas of uh, 250 real movers and shakers in the Christian community. They they were not all um, minist- um, you know, ministry leaders, many of them were, but all, some of them were um, very wealthy believers, um, obviously had been in positions of authority and and uh, influence for many years. And there was an audience, about 250 of them. They got a chance to introduce my, our ministry to them. And I started by asking them, so how many of you have ever heard a sermon on grandparenting? And Eric, three people raised their hands, three out of 250. And then I said, so how many of you have ever heard of a class on grandparenting? It was the same three. And that's what we found. There's only about 1% of Christian grandparents that have ever heard a sermon or heard of a class, not if, not to say about attending anything, just heard of anything on the topic of Christian grandparenting. And to us, that's that's incredible.
0: Wow, that is, that's mind-blowing. It really is. But, but as I think about it, I'm like, yeah, have I haven't. You, have no. you ever heard a
1: sermon? No. no have you heard I, a
0: sermon on parenting? I've heard about parenting, yeah. I've read about parenting, but but the grandparenting, it,
1: it is, it's sort of like that light bulb. It's like, oh, no, I haven't. <laughs> so so here's why there's such a need. So if if there's never a sermon on it, never a class on it, how do grandparents discover what it means to be a good Christian grandparent? How, how do they know? Well, some of them would learn from their parents. Their, their their past, their their grandparents, or maybe watching their parents, and depending on what kind of an example that is, they either say, I want to follow this, or I want to be something really different from this, but but there's a lot of grandparents that have no example in their history, in the family history, of good grandparenting, and so then the other source that where, where we learn about grandparenting is is really from culture. And culture has a view of what a good grandparent is, and it's primarily if you play with your grandkids, you help support them, you go to their soccer game, you spoil them, you sugar them up and send them home after they come to visit a while, you're a good grandparent. And unfortunately, that is the only message that goes to Christian grandparents. And so that's where many of them are just stuck right there. They are really good grandparents from a cultural perspective, but they've never really thought about what a good grandparent is from a biblical perspective.
0: No, and that's a really good point. And, and, you know, I think, you know, in my own life, I know others, you see it, you hear about it in culture, and and you always want to be careful because culture isn't always uh, what we need to emulate.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and in this case, culture isn't bad. It's just not an, the cultural view of grandparent. It's not bad. It's just not enough. And and being a good cultural grandparent is a means to a more important end. And that is uh fulfilling God what scripture says about what a grandparent ought to be. So just kind of piggybacking
0: off of that, what does the Bible have to say about grandparenting? I mean, are in terms of in specifics, in terms of what they are supposed to do, what
1: they're called to do? Mm-hmm. What are some things that the Bible tells us? Well, if you're if you're simply trying to find the word grandparent in Scripture, the answer is going to be not much, <laughs> because, because the word grandparent or a form of it only appears twice in Scripture, and we all know of uh, uh, Timothy's mother Lois and grandmother Eunice, or maybe I got those reversed <laughs> senior moment here, but but, you know, but then when you start digging deeper and you start looking at all the passages that talk about multiple generations, you know, generation to generation impact, when you look at the passages that talk about inheritance or, or um, remember, I mean, who's, who's supposed to remember? That's a big command in the Old Testament all the time. Remember, remember, remember. Who's going to remember the best? Well, probably those that have lived longer lives because they have more to remember. And so, when you start looking at that, this, the, Eric, there's actually way more in scripture about the role of a grandparent than there is about the role of a parent. Way more. Really? Yeah. Isn't that wow. phenomenal? Yeah. And and so, then, so, what does a grandparent do? Let let me boil it down there. I'll tell you a couple things uh the the key verse the john 316 of grand parity would you know what i mean by that yeah you know the key verse right right the the, yeah, the, the one that you the sort of hang verse. absolutely yeah. the one everybody can hold on to yeah that's deuteronomy 49 and it starts with these two words it says watch yourselves and of course moses is deuteronomy so deuteronomy was moses words right before they entered the promised land right before he died and so he's speaking to the elders. So, probably a whole lot of grandfathers in the audience. And he's speaking to them and he's telling them, he's giving them advice. And he starts with the two words, watch yourselves. So, grandparenting begins with determining that during these years of my life, I'm going to be more Christ like than I've ever been in my life. Our bodies get older and they begin to fall apart. And we, have to take more medications, and we have more aches and pains and all of those things. So as our bodies are getting worser, one thing that can get better is is our walk with God. And that's the first thing that a grandparent can do. And it has a huge impact on families just when grandparents are a godly example. We probably all know to do that. But then the second thing that we're to do uh, the last part of that verse says, teach your children and your children's children. That was a verse, Eric, that rocked my world. My wife and I were living in Chicago, and um, we had one set of grandkids living in Colorado Springs. They were older, and we had had a lot of time with them earlier in their life. And then our son was starting his, his family out here in Southern California, where we live now. And the verse it just really got a hold of us, and in particular, not just that last phrase, but, but one word in that last phrase. It says, teach your children and your children's children. And I've I've always been, you know, a sincere Christ follower, not far from perfect, of course, but, but at least sincere. And I knew that when I was a dad, so you're a dad, your job is to be the spiritual leader in your home. You know, you're the one that's responsible, but I always thought, okay, so when my kids grow up and they have families, then they need to do it, and then when those kids grow up and they have families, then they need to do it, and the mental image that I had was of a relay baton, uh, you know, a relay race where one generation passes the baton of faith to the next one, and then to the next one, and to the next one, and you pray you don't have a, a baton drop along the way, right? Right. Uh, That verse told me that it was different. Instead of simply passing off the baton, I still had a responsibility for the next generation. As a grandparent, my responsibility was to teach them, in particular to teach them through faith stories. And we see that illustrated over and over again in Old Testament, that grandparents are to be passing on stories of how they've seen God work and of what, what God is like and so yeah that that was so strong that uh, of a conviction that it caused my wife and I to move from Chicago to California wow but that's that is a you know that's a stark picture
0: you know when god says you know teach your children and your children's children—that's—that's—that's
1: uh, that's, that's pretty clear. <laughs> it, it, well, it is. And think about how this would look if it played out in a family. So we, we know we know from many of the studies that have been done that that uh, oh, many of us are alarmed because we see young people departing from faith in numbers that are unacceptable. But we've also learned from studies that the kids that stick, the ones that stay are those that have numerous spiritual mentors involved in their life. You know, there's one study called Sticky Faith, where if if a young person has five or six significant spiritual mentors in their life, then they don't depart from faith. So think about it. Mom and dad, grandpa and grandma on one side, Nana and Papa on the other. That's six people. And, and if in a family this was carried out, there would be six people devoted all of childhood long to the spiritual development and discipleship of a child. That's something that can't be, can't be duplicated in the church. The church needs to support that, and that's not to diminish what goes on in churches. It's just that they, they don't have the potential to do that, but the family has the potential to do that especially when grandparents get involved. Wow,
0: that is a, I, I love that picture uh, and, and that study. I'm, I'm fascinated by that study. I didn't realize that five to six mentors will help them hold fast to their faith for a lifetime. Um, yeah, and that, that's a perfect picture with parents and grandparents working together to, to disciple these children.
1: So for your listeners that are not grandparents yet, like you, Eric, you know, the, the interest for this is to be wow, I really would like my parents, the grandparents of the kids, to be heavily involved in the spiritual discipleship as well. I want them to be working right with me. Now, from what I understand from scripture says, you know, the parents are the team leaders, but the grandparents form the rest of the team and when you have a whole team devoted to that it's it's a powerful thing and of course in some families it's not a complete team some families there you know they're it's it's not six people it's three or four or maybe even one or two sometimes but it's still helpful to know the biblical ideal so for people
0: listening what is different or is there a difference between that Intentionality with grandchildren on biblical matters versus like that intentionality with children on biblical matters. Is there is there a difference? I know you just mentioned like you know you've got team leaders, parents, and then grandparents make up the rest of the team. How does that look like or play out?
1: Well, one of, one of the most important things is to realize that the parents are are in the first seat. They're in the they're in the front row. Uh, sometimes grandparents make the mistake of parenting again. you know they'll, they'll try parenting the adult kids or they'll try parenting the grandkids. and and if they can do that in harmony, if they can they can influence the grandkids and do it in harmony with the parents, that's fine. But we tell parents in our seminars, you need, or grand, we tell grandparents in our seminars, you need to realize you're still the parent and we're talking about of the adult kids. You're still the parent noun, but you must no longer parent verb unless invited. So, in other words, if if there's a conflict in how discipline is done, the grandparents should not be undermining or overriding what the parents do. You know, conflict is worse than maybe the, a lesser effective system of discipline. And, and so, so it, it is different. Grandparents have to move into that second chair. And then what they do with the, the, the children, uh, with the grandchildren, of course, is they're not primarily responsible for discipline. They're not responsible for getting homework done and the normal things that a, that a parent is going to take the responsibility for. So when they're in that second seat, They become an influencer. Let me say it this way. They become an influencer rather than a controller. That's a big difference that we talk about. Parents have the responsibility to control their kids. They have a God-given authority over them. It's their job to keep those kids under control and to raise them uh, to have good behavior and, and all of those things. Grandparents are not controllers, but they're influencers. And that's a huge difference. So I, I like both of those uh, those images that
0: that grandparents still parent noun, but not, not the verb parent. You know, that's that's for their children to parent those children and that idea of influencer, not controller. That's those are two really great pictures that in my head that I can say, oh, okay, that makes sense on how to how to carry that out. Um, yeah,
1: I taught a I taught a seminar about three weeks ago, Eric, and we had a a lady in the seminar that was not a grandparent yet; she was a parent, like you are. And when I talked about that, about uh, uh, she was sitting in one of the front tables, I was interested because she looked so much younger, you know. So <laughs> i I picked out who she was, and but anyway, I I talked about that issue of you know no longer. You're you're still the parent, but you're no longer parent. And and she just sunk in her chair, and I could tell that she was thinking, "Oh, my parents need to hear this so bad." Probably because they had been trying to stick stick their control, their you know their parenting back on their adult kids, rather than releasing them and letting them be in charge of their home. You know, if if adult kids do something that's really wrong, there's a time and a way to talk to them about it, but there's a time and a way to not do it as well. Mm. It's using that discernment and finding that balance on on when and when not
0: to speak or act. Yeah. Wow. Now, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful image, and that definitely helps. That helps me. I know it's going to help the audience as well. Now, what happens for grandparents who are who are Christ followers or believers, but maybe their children aren't. So what is one or two things that that they can do to sort of be that biblical influencer um, when maybe when, you know, the when their children or the, the parents children
1: are not. Well, quite often that, that happens so often, Eric. It is such a common thing. And quite often grandparents that are in that position kind of feel alone, but they're not, not alone at all. And and usually when they are in that position, um they feel they feel an obligation to share truth with their kids. And some sometimes grandparents end up continuing to pound their adult kids with truth. Mm-hmm. And quite often, um, I think in most cases, those kids have grown up hearing the truth. So it's not that they need to hear it. They need a heart change. Amen. Amen. And, and, and so uh, here's here's a couple things I would say to grandparents in that position. First of all, if you have adult kids that have said, this is very common, don't you talk to the kids, to the grandkids about God. You just don't talk to them. So grandparents feel an obligation to circumvent that, and it almost always is counterproductive. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is you've got to respect the parents' wishes. If the parents say you can't talk to your grandkids about God, then don't. They can't keep you from living a godly life, and that can really be powerful. But if you don't respect their wishes, they're going to build that wall even higher and even be less likely to give you access to the grandkids. So you have to. So that's number one is you need to respect their wishes and zip your lip if that's what they ask you to do. Secondly, you try to understand what what has brought them to this decision and to this point. And, And here's the hard part. A lot of the times it's the grandparents who are the cause of them walking away. We, wow. hate, we hate to admit that, but it could be our constant bombardment with them of trying to get the truth of God into their hearts that has actually turned them away. And so grandparents need to be able to be transparent, bring down their defenses and say, son, daughter, help me understand, you know, how did you get to this point? And if there, if I caused it, if there's any way that I caused it, can I ask for your forgiveness? You know, if if I was too heavy-handed, if if I was legalistic when I was your your dad and mom, you know, I want to ask your forgiveness for that. And if you don't start by clearing the air and creating an environment where they can tell you what really brought them to this point, then you're probably not going to get anywhere. And I'd ask, I'd add one more thing. Most of the time, Christian grandparents who have adult kids that have walked away do want their, their adult children to embrace the truth of God's word. And they become truth tellers. And instead, they need a new strategy. The new strategy is to be a grace giver rather than a truth-teller. Remember John 1.14 says Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. And so we have to be full of both. I think quite often we're, we're full of truth, whether it's our, whether it's scriptural truth or just our truth, our opinion, but we're not so often so full of grace. And grace is nearly irresistible if, as grandparents, we will begin to to say, I'm going to be an instrument of God's grace to my adult son or daughter. Remember, Jesus always led with grace with sinners. He always led with grace until they were ready to hear the truth. And we ought to be like him and do the same thing.
0: Now, I appreciate that, all all of those, those points, and especially that last one, too to lead with grace to be a grace giver and not a truth teller that is um both are needed but like you say we tend to land um we we can land on one harder than the other so um no i appreciate that now so what about for those grandparents who who like you they were cross country where maybe you have some grandchildren who are a plane ride away and not, you know, a 10-minute car ride away, um, what is something that they can do to continue
1: being of influence? Well, let me recommend a, a resource and that'll answer your question. Uh, we have we have a book on our website called Long Distance Grandparenting. It's written by Wayne Rice. It's a member of our team and a longtime time you know, one of the fathers of youth ministry in America, and it's full of a whole bunch of practical suggestions. So people that want a whole bunch of ideas, get the book, it'll really be helpful to them. But I'd say a couple things. One thing is, you've got to lean into the relationship. So that means you've got to start communicating on a regular basis, you can't influence without communication. And so you need to, you need to, Think about what will be the way that I can communicate with these grandkids on a regular basis, and and then keep it going. Because without, if you allow communication to stop, you're going to lose influence. With a five year old, it could be FaceTiming them every morning. They will just love it. When they're fifteen, not so much. <laughs> you have to find, you have to find a new way, right? So as they get older, it has to change, and you have to think, what is my grandchild's world? How will I stay in touch with them? How will I, how will I uh, continue to uh, have an input in their life? And so that means taking advantage of FaceTime and texting. And uh, before COVID, there were a lot of grandparents that said, well, I just don't text. And we tell them, well, get over it. Learn to text. Uh, COVID has actually helped that a lot. Well, I don't hear that near as much from grandparents now. So, but you got to figure out, is it texting? Is it posting on you know, uh, some some way, it probably isn't emailing, but it, it might be posting on Facebook uh, privately. It, it might be FaceTiming. Whatever it is, you've got to find it. The second thing I would say is make sure that when you are with them, that you take advantage of the opportunity and spend individual time with each one. So I have that. I, you know, my wife and I have older grandkids that live in Colorado Springs we're in southern california they are young adults now they're 21 to 26 and so they're you know they they've got their jobs they've got their own place have all of that and a very busy life when we go to visit there we say to each one of them we're going to spend individual time with each one of you and and that's what we so that's what we try to do Uh, we we learn things and have conversations with them individually that we would never, ever have in a family time, even though family times are good. So we have family time together, but we also have individual time with each one. And, And that is significant, very, very significant. I have a lot of stories, some of them quite private, of course, about the conversations that we've had with those individual grandkids when it's just my wife and I and, and one grandchild, and so we we've made that a tradition. When we're with them, time alone. In other words, we date each one of our grandkids every time we go to see them.
0: I love that, but like you say, that it you, you, it gives them shows their you know that relationship builds that relationship gives you opportunities to have conversations that you wouldn't otherwise have uh so i i love that and I, and I hope those listening i hope i'm taking notes for the future
1: and you know i hope those listening uh are
0: taking notes as well uh well, as well when as the, when bro-
1: you're when you live at a distance though there is one caution because if you haven't seen them for six months or a year and then you go to visit you tend to want to you know this is a ranching term i grew up on a cattle ranch you want to give the one cow the whole load of hay you know, you want to dump everything you've been saving up on them on one time when you get them alone like that. And you just can't do that. You have to think, OK, how am I going to make this enjoyable? So the next time I come, they'll want to have coffee with me again.
0: <laughs> I love it. But but it's, it's just kind of thinking it through and, and kind of spacing it out, yeah. which is really, really important. Um, now, uh, kind of with that you know as as looking ahead how how can and how should grandparents pray for their grandchildren as you know as well as their children so what, what how can they do that uh, cuz I, well, I know that will be a huge influence as well
1: yeah one of the things uh, grandparents do know to pray for their grandkids in fact one of my friends uh, dr josh Mulvihill, that's written a book just simply with the title called Grandparenting, and it's a great book, Eric, Um, but uh, it's, it's about the biblical view of a Christian grandparent. His research, he did some research, and he said that the main attitude of Christian grandparents was pray and play. In other words, they thought if they were being a good grandparent, they would pray for their grandkids and then play with them. And that's what made them a good grandparent. So they they uh, grand, Christian grandparents know to pray. So I but I would add a couple things to that for the grandparents that are listening. Number one, pray earnestly. Uh, James five sixteen in the New Living Translation says this. It says the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and wonderful results. And. You know, earnest. So, what does earnest mean? It it means you mean it. That's that's all. It's very simple. And it says God honors earnest prayers. So when we pray for our grandkids, of course, it shouldn't be rote. It shouldn't be just this thing that we go through. This habit that we have. It we ought to be. It ought to be heartfelt. And I think that's what earnest means. So number one, pray earnestly. The second thing is pray regularly. And we're, we're just very fortunate because we have seven grandkids, so we can assign each one of them a day of the week. And other grandparents pray for all seven or whatever their number is every day, but we have seven. So, um, so uh, Natalia knows she's Monday, and Tyler knows he's Tuesday, and Travis knows he's Wednesday, etc., all the way through the whole week, and we go through the week. Then what we do, of course, they know what their day is. They know when, which day grandpa and grandma are praying for them. And we'll ask them for prayer requests. And so we not only pray for them, we ask them for prayer requests, and then we remind them that we're praying for them about that request. So, so that there's kind of a you know a full circle of involvement there with them in regard to that. And that that by itself will revolutionize some grandparents, just to think about. Uh, right now we have a whole lot of grandparents that are getting. That their request for Christmas are coffee mugs with the pictures of their grandparents on the coffee mug. So when they get their and and each day is a different coffee mug. So when they get their coffee, there's a grandkid right there and a reminder to pray earnestly and intentionally for that grandkid. Oh,
0: I love that. I, but I love the the earnestly, intentionally, uh, that's that's very straightforward it's very straightforward very doable it's not it's not like rocket science <laughs> it's um so as so for grandparents who li- who are listening and they're like okay i i'm maybe they they're already doing some of the things you've been talking about maybe they're like this is the first time i've ever heard about it so i want to get started what is one step that they can take today to really start helping to build that that gospel legacy, right? That that the children's children legacy.
1: Um, so, Eric, I am going to ask you. So, when when are you going to post this? So, this will be in January. Okay, so we'll January. call it. So this is the Christmas holiday. I was going to give a Christmas idea, but oh uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be yeah, like yeah. mid January. Early so, mid-January. Yeah. So, well, here's here's one thing I would say to Christian grandparents that say oh so often overlook. So we're to be storytellers. That's what scripture says. Uh Exodus chapter 10 tells grand, tells the parents or tells the adults to teach, tell the their their children and grandchildren the stories of, of what happened during the Exodus over and over again. We're to be storytellers. So what story is the most important? the story of your conversion the story of when you came to Christ and it's amazing to me that the a, only a small minority of christian grandparents have ever thought about sitting their grandkids down and saying to them here's when I came to Christ and tell them that story they ought to tell them that story so much that their grandchildren can tell their grandchildren the story so that's very simple just Tell your grandchildren when you were saved and that story that surrounds it. So that would be a great starting point as far as becoming a Christian grandparent. That and praying for them, praying for them regularly would be two great things to start with.
0: I I love that, that that just telling them the story about your conversion. That is,
1: I, I say it's simple, but yet we don't think about it. Well, I, I, I'm pretty confident that the majority of your listeners that are grandparents have never thought about doing that.
0: We can, want them. I can believe it. No, I love that. And I appreciate that. And so, and then for families, so let's say kind of like me, uh, who who are not yet grandparents, um, what is one key takeaway for them so that they can get their heads around
1: this maybe look forward to it, prepare for it? What is a key takeaway you'd like them to have? Well, I would I would say begin to think of the family, not in terms of a nuclear family, but the more biblical concept is of a clan. And so, Eric, my advice to you, and I don't know your situation, would, would be to start thinking about how can you engage your parents and your wife's parents more effectively in the discipleship of your children. So that's that would be my advice to all of those of you that are out there that are parents and not grandparents yet. Uh, think about how you can form your team better, uh, how you can make it more effective. Uh, some uh, Some of you will have parents who have adopted the lie of culture that says, when you retire, it's time to go play, and they have actually cut off relationships with parents and grandkids, or at least partially cut them off. So it's ineffective. And you have to wrestle with how are we going to get them back involved. And that that's a that's another whole topic sometime. But but um, yeah, think about forming the team that will impact your your grand uh, the, the children.
0: No, I love that. And that that's a that's a very concrete concrete example that that I'm going to definitely start thinking through and as just kind of as we wrap up if if listeners want to know more about about you more
1: about the legacy coalition more about your materials where would you want them to go well I want them to go to our website our website is legacycoalition.com legacycoalition.com and we have over 300 uh resources for Christian grandparents eric to kind of come back to where we started when we started our ministry the very first 6 months, we said we need to produce some resources. So we did four things. We did we did two books, we borrowed a book and we created a little DVD of some of some sessions on grandparenting. With four resources, we were the largest source of Christian grandparent resources on the internet. Four made us the biggest <laughs> Wow. So now we have over 300, and their audios, and their videos, and their books, and blogs, and all sorts of things that are there to equip and encourage Christian grandparents. Then, the other thing I would say is, everybody, when you go to our website, check out events, and underneath events is Grand Monday Nights. Grand Monday Nights. It's a free webinar that we have every Monday night, and they can go and just listen. Either live, uh, it's at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time, 5 p.m. Pacific time, and we'll let the other time zones figure that out in between. But um, but then you can listen to the replay on our website anytime during the course of the week. And those are Christian leaders, just like what you're doing for your podcast here. It says kind of the very same thing, having guests come in and speak to very specific areas of grand grandparenting. And we would encourage them to join us, become a part of our group. It's an easy way to begin to get familiar with our ministry and involved in it.
0: I love it. So LegacyCoalition.com, we're going to put uh, that information as well as the book titles mentioned, as well as the Monday nights, all of that's going in the show notes. So if you're listening, uh, check out the show notes If uh, to get more details or just go to LegacyCoalition.com. Uh, Larry, this has been a wonderful conversation. I've learned a ton. I know my audience has as well. Thank you so much for joining
1: me today. My pleasure.
0: If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review for us wherever you listen to podcasts. Doing so will help others to find us. Uh, Check out the show notes for resource information. We encourage you to do that for links and other references. We'd like to hear from you so you can message us. Your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, at Entrusting the Faith. You can email us at info at entrustingthefaith.com. If you go to our website, which is www.entrustingthefaith.com, you can sign up to our email list uh, and receive free resources as well as upcoming podcast episode information. So check it out. Lastly, just remember,
1: legacies are built a day at a time. So start now.